and welcome back to episode 7 of Lindy Line, an original story read and told by Simon Brooks. If you haven't listened to the rest of this podcast yet, I would suggest starting at episode number 1 before getting to episode number 7, because you'll have no idea what's going on. And once you have listened to episodes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6, then come and join us here, episode 7, chapter 30. No longer separated, but on the ledge at night. Michaelmas stood holding his staff, eyebrows knotted on his face as he searched for the unicorn Pegasus and Unisus. Once he knew which direction they had gone, he climbed up on his horse and rode with his companion. This had been going on all day. It was all starting to wear the old man down. The last time he had mounted his steed, he almost failed to get on the horse's back. He sat heavily in the horse and once more rode on. The creatures had led Miss Stanhope and Michaelmas back and forth through the forest and it was getting close to dusk when the wizard and witch found them. Michaelmas pulled feed from his bag for the unicorn, Pegasus and Unisus. The three creatures even let Mars Stanhope brush them down. After all had eaten, they pressed on before the night rolled in, eventually making it to the cliffs, whose top touched the side of the central forest. Some people lost in the forest had walked over the edge, not knowing or realising a cliff was there. The wizard and witch stood talking to one another as they looked over the valley towards south and west to Carden and the river. No one could remember if the river took the town's name or the town took its name from the river. The Carden River separated the western forest from Birchwood Forest and the kingdom of Boris from the land of Lindyline. The animals grazed on what they could find, staying close to Michaelmas and Mar Stanhope. Mar said, It's too dangerous to go down tonight. Although we should be safer in the caves at the bottom, the path down to the plains is not safe during the day, let alone trying to walk it down in the dark. I was thinking the same thing, said Michaelmas. He turned and pulled more food for the animals from his saddle packs and spread it over the ground. How long do you think it would take to get to Willow Spring in the caves? asked Mar Stanhope. About half a day without trouble. We should leave before dawn cracks, so we're not sitting ducks on the trail. The sound of the wind whistled through the trees. It seemed to be picking up. Both Michaelmas and Mar Stanhope looked out and saw the trees waving more and more wildly as the wind grew stronger and stronger. Looks like a cold one tonight, said the old man. Half a day, said Mar Stanhope. That's what I'm thinking. Then she went over to the animals and told them the plan. What do you think, Adele? asked the Pegasus. Well, I have to be honest, the chicken lady gives me the creeps. It's like she's a witch, but then she's not, and all this changing between human and chicken, it's a little too much to handle sometimes, too. Well, maybe I'm just tired. Yes, I feel it. It's the same with the old man, although he hasn't changed shape yet, if he can change shape, said Akamas. Mom? Dad? said the young Unisus. Yes, dear? I, I feel both... Their hearts are full of brightness, light. There's almost no darkness in their hearts at all, just a couple of shadows of very old memories, said Harp. I think you're right, my sweet, said Adele. She gently touched her daughter's shoulder with a horn and gave her a little scratch. Harp moved next to her mother and pressed against her. The beginnings of a horn pushed from her forehead. I think we should trust them, 
said Akamas. I think we need to, said Adele. Harp closed her eyes and, sinking to her knees, fell asleep. Chapter 31 The Next Part of the Journey When Adele, Akamas and Harp awoke the next morning, there was a thin covering of snow on the ground. Using their hooves and muzzles, they searched around for food. The sun, not yet up over the horizon, was flushing away the darkness, but not the chill in the air. Akamas walked over to the humans and nudged Mikumas awake. Although buried in his blanket, Akamas could hear sounds of an elder waking. There were moans and groans, sighs and other noises coming from under the covers. Akamas moved back a little, snorting and shaking his nose. It was only a moment later when Mikumas pushed back the blankets and looked up at the Pegasus. Standing next to a Pegasus, one gets a sense of the size and power of such a creature as this. Its great wings alone could knock the wind out of someone. The hooves were large and could strike like rocks and easily splinter trees. The muscles on the beast could be seen rippling under the thick and heavy hide of the Pegasus, and it was tall, taller than any horse Mikumas had ever seen. To be looking up at one could verge on fearsome. To view this creature lying on the ground gave Mikumas a real sense of how powerless he would be against Akamas. Inside, Mikumas was a little surprised and a little anxious, some might say almost frightened by the beast which stood over him. All right, all right, I'm getting up. Thank you for waking me so early. Mikumas stretched one more time before slowly rising, letting the blanket tumble to the ground. Even though he was still in his robes, the cold caught him sharply, and he bent over and pulled the blanket around his shoulders. He shuffled to the fire and got it started before waking Mar Stanhope. It seemed silly to wake her to the cold as Akimus had woken him to the cold. Breakfast began to cook, but it was only a very watery porridge. Once awake, Mar Stanhope pulled from the bags some of the food for the three creatures they were now guardians to, some might say care providers. Michaelmas wondered if he really could protect these beautiful creatures and prayed he could. Slapping his hands together and jumping up and down to stave off, some might say keep away the cold, he spoke to the unicorn, Pegasus and Unisus. So, I'm sure you know of the path that leads down to the plains and to Willow Falls and that it backtracks on itself. Many people know of the caves, but few know the passages and secrets of them. He stopped talking and looked at Mar Stanhope. Do they understand the thing I'm saying? Adele raised a horn and scratched the wizard's shoulder gently. There's your answer, said Mar Stanhope. Michaelmas was not so sure and was a little uneasy. He knew a unicorn horn could skewer a charging boar, which is a terrifying creature in itself. Michaelmas grunted, trying not to shy away from the horn. Well, Mar Stanhope and myself know the caves intimately. We're asking you to join us in getting there, where we can keep you safe. There is a place much further east where I would like to take you, but for now we need to hide and keep safe while these battles go on. A thought which was not his own entered the mind of Michaelmas. Why? The voice was deep and filled with authority. He looked at the Pegasus. Because I'm not sure where the enemy are. We must keep you safe. It's said that you're the last of your kind, and this youngster here, 
said Michaelmas, nodding at heart. Might be the first of her kind. If King Boris get hold of you, I'm not sure you would complete your lifespan. Some might have said might not live too long. Again, the voice entered Michaelmas. Where do you think it is safe? As I said to the east, it's in the middle of Lindy Line, a place called the Mendips. There is a tower there at the fort, but both the fort and the tower have not been used for many years. Also, there are a great many caves to hide in, caves with connecting passages deep underground. If you learnt their secrets as I have learnt the secrets of Willow Caves, you should always be safe. Michaelmas frowned. He did not like someone other than himself in his head. I'm sorry, Michaelmas, said the voice of Achimus, deep inside the wizard. I will do this no more, but I wanted to hear your thoughts, and not through the chicken lady. I find the way she changes shape a little disconcerting. Some might have said uncomfortable. Michaelmas thought the same. And with that, they put out the fire, cleaned up the site, and began to make their way to the narrow path which would lead eastward and down the cliffs. The wind was still strong and still cold. The way would not be easy. They could only hope no one would be out searching the area in such weather. Chapter 32 The Elves Find Michaelmas Michaelmas and Mar Stanhope had barely began their descent when they heard voices behind them. Well, to say voices might be exaggerating. The sounds were high, and but not quite squeaking. Mar Stanhope was following Adele, Achimus and Hart, while Michaelmas led the way, testing the weaker-looking areas with his staff before moving forward. Michaelmas, cried out Mar Stanhope, something coming our way. Michaelmas told the animals to move on carefully, that he and Mar Stanhope would stop any dangers, at least for a while. He made it quickly past them and back up to stand side by side with Mars Stanhope, but what he saw coming down the path were elves. These elves were taller than Jack, standing at about four feet high. Who do you stand for? said Mars Stanhope, pulling out a small wand. Lindy Line or Birchwood? One of the elves laughed and pointed to the wand and looked at her friends. When she looked back at Mars Stanhope, she said, What will that bit of stick do? before laughing again. Mars Stanhope muttered something, and the elf was frozen, feet stuck to the ground. When the other elves made to attack Mars Stanhope, they found they too were stuck. I ask again, who do you stand for? Let them go, said Michaelmas. I know, Sophia, she stands with Birchwood. I do not, yelled the frozen creature. I stand with Lindy Lion, and never will I change alliance, as you seem to have done. Her voice trailed off when she saw Michaelmas chuckling. Mar Stanhope freed the wee people up. My dearest Sophia, I've not changed sides. Lindy Line is and always will be my home and where my loyalties lie, said the wizard. But sometimes one has to be careful. We have the unicorn, the Pegasus and Unisus. They're a little up in front of us, by the way, said Michaelmas. This is Mar Stanhope. Pleased to meet you said Sophia, and the other elves nodded and muttered in the direction of the witch, bobbing their heads, hoping not to get in trouble with her, ever. Why are you going that way? And where are the others? asked Sophie. Marstan Hope said, We got separated. Michaelmas and I went in search of the animals and had taken them to the safety of the caves at Willow Falls. And my son... What is it? Marstan Hope had seen the eyes of the elves getting wide with fear. 
You must stop and find shelter and safety here, said Sophie. There's a huge army from Birchwood at halfway. You might be seen, especially if the army decide to make a passage up onto the upper plain and try to get into the city from the central forest. The other elves nodded. Could one of you go and stop the family, said Michaelmas. The Pegasus is called Achamus, and he can get into your head. The unicorn is called Adele, and the baby is called Harp. Sophia turned and nodded at one of the elves, and off it ran, almost flying it moved so fast. Michaelmas rubbed his beard and closed his eyes. Sophia was about to speak, but Ma Stanhope put a finger to her lips and mouthed, Shh. Sophia closed her mouth. Michaelmas played with his beard and nearly unwrapped it before speaking. If we go even part of the way west, we might be seen. He turned and looked behind him and saw the three magical creatures and the elf a little way off, coming back up the pass. We may even be seen on these cliffs. He thought some more and spoke, but he was addressing no one, simply thinking things out loud. So we can't head down. We must go back up. He looked up the path. They had only gone about half a mile, but it was rough going and a steep climb. He shook his head and sighed. We do not have enough provisions to go directly to the Mendips from here, even with the food we hid. He clapped his hands and smiled. So off to Wilhay we go. Lead on, Mistress Sophia. What about the others? asked Mar Stanhope. True, said Michaelmas. What do you think, Miss Stanhope? Well, maybe these friends of yours, and you're friends too now, said Michaelmas. Maybe these friends of ours, said Mar Stanhope, could find and help the others. We have no real idea where they are, other than possibly heading to the Mendits themselves. Sophia looked between the two humans. Ma spoke again. Use your stick to find out where they are. Maybe we can find them now, or at least get an idea. So they did. Once they reached the top of the cliff pathway, Michaelmas took out his tiny golden key and placed it into the slot on his blackthorn walking stick. He took Sophia's hand and placed it with his on the head of the stick and closed his eyes. The light began to shine out and vanished through the trees like a path. Sophia saw through the eyes and mind of Michaelmas with the key unlocking the imagination of both. Sophia saw where Princess Riley was and saw Avery with the soldiers and the hunter coming into the camp, returning from his visit with the villagers of Wilhay. Then the lights returned. Sophia gasped. So how did you like the trip, Sophia? asked Michaelmas. Her eyes were wide and her breath short. We travel fast, but never have I been over so much country in such a short time. And the route is etched, some might say drawn, in my mind. Marstan Hope shook her head and said, Go and find the two princesses and my boy and the hunter. Bring them to safety. What of this hunter? Is he not the enemy of our friends here? Sophia said, pointed to the animals. The hunter may be a little dark, but I believe he is on our side. Keep your eyes open with him, though. He plays a very close hand, said Michaelmas. And with that, the elves took off like an arrow from a well-drawn bow. Chapter 23. A March. A large army of men and women were gathered with horses, artillery and assorted weapons in halfway. King Boris was with them. He was relaxing in one of the finer homes in the town, having moved from the inn. Those villagers who had stayed 
or who had come with the army, were working for them. They groomed the horses, fixed weapons, sharpened swords and repaired arrows. They cooked and cleaned for the officers. King Boris was pleased to have people polish his boots, wash his clothing and feed him, although he complained the food was very bland. This was not always the case when he was travelling. Sometimes he had one servant, and that, in his mind, was never enough. Back at his castle, he had huge numbers of people working for him, looking after every whim and wish. Other officers were either at the inn or also staying in houses, whilst the regulars slept in barns or other outbuildings, or in their own tents. King Boris's men cleaned and sharpened their weapons, checked on the artillery, some practised their swordplay or archery. There was a sense of excitement amongst the soldiers, as there is before a game of football or waiting to dive off a high, high cliff. As they moved against each other, there was talking, laughing and joking, although because this was leading up to a battle, there was no small amount of tension. At a little afternoon, a horse came galloping into the town at full speed, causing some of the soldiers to leap out of the way of its hooves. There were cries and shouts, weapons were drawn, until they saw it was one of their own men. The rider leapt from the back of his horse before it came to a stop and ran forward, staggering. "'Where's the king? I need to see the king!' he cried. "'Who are you?' asked the servant. "'Why, why do you need to see the king?' The rider stood bolt upright and saluted the senior officer. Cavalryman Paul Engels, uh, Sergeant Williams, Unit 7. You know me? asked the sergeant. Yes, sir. My brother is in your unit, sir. Cavalryman John Engels, sir, said the cavalryman Paul Engels. Hi, Paul, came a cry from one of the other men. I know Engels, your brother, said the sergeant. Why the great haste? What, what's the matter? A matter most important for his majesty, or General Poe. The Lindy Line armies are on the move. When Sergeant Williams was shown into the room of the inn, which had turned into a war room, both the king and general were present, some might say there. Poor Engels looked about the room. He saw a large map of Lindy Line pinned to the wall. General Poe was looking over another, more detailed map on a large table. Paper was strewn, some say thrown, all over the table. Some were orders, other were reports. King Boris was reading a report. What is it, Sergeant? asked General Poe. The sombre some might say gloomy or dark, general, looked at both soldiers when they entered the room. The two men, cavalryman Ingalls and Sergeant Williams, saluted. We have word from cavalryman Ingalls here that Lindy Line is on the move, general, said Sergeant Williams, standing straight at attention. The king looked up from the report he was reading. More bad news, he hissed. The general looked at Ingalls and slowly said, Tell us what you know. After that gang of miscreants came upon our troops in Western Forest, after having made their appearance, behaved monstrously and ate and drank, I saw them heading off with the prisoners. I had been able to escape, as I could not sleep and had walked off, so I followed them. The army split into two, a few taking the prisoners and citizens to the city. The other army have made a camp not far from here. They're in the Central Forest, east of Forest Road. You said the Lindy Line armies are on the move. The general stared hard at the cavalrymen. I entered their camp and, removing my uniform, I pretended to be one of the people of Cardin. A few had stayed to work for the soldiers. I walked amongst them and talked to the townspeople. I met this one woman who said she had seen the officers making plans to meet up with the armies coming back from the city. Engels told his superiors, some might say leaders. Who gave you this information? asked the king. A Madame Dulac. 
She was with the townsfolk from South Carden, said Ingalls. But what is the precise evidence of Madame Dulac? asked the general. That she heard the officers from the North Carden lookout talk about it, uh, and her own eyes, sir. She had seen other Lindyline soldiers riding into their camp. You might say she is a primary source, sir. You are dismissed, Engels. Sergeant Williams, please stay a moment, ordered the general. As soon as Engels had left the room and the door was closed, General Poe looked at Williams. How well do you know this soldier? he asked. He's in Unit 7, so I'm not his direct officer. His brother is in my unit, and he is a good man. I believe he called out to Paul Engels, sir, when he arrived, said the sergeant. But being brothers does not make them best of friends, or of similar cloth, as it were. Can we trust him? asked Poe. He had ridden hard here, and the horse was tired. He seemed genuine. I can say no more than that. Fair enough. The king had been silent, and Williams waited. When the king spoke, he was lost in thought. You know we are near the place I was thrown over a cliff, sergeant? Yes, your majesty. I believe it was near Willow Forcer. That's right. I am lucky to be alive. It was a unicorn. It almost killed me. How many miles away are the falls? About thirty miles, your majesty. The king nodded. Dismissed, he said. Thank you, sir, said Sergeant Williams, saluting. He turned and left the room. Well, said King Boris to the general, we march. Give the orders. I'm sure the troops are ready for a fight, the king smiled. Soon Lindy Line will be ours. <laughs> we will rescue my brother, and we will take whatever vengeance we want on Lindy Line. <laughs> and so ends episode seven of Lindy Line. Stay tuned. Come back to the same place at around the same time for more of Lindy Line. Bye.